Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for a three-part mini-series on well-being and resiliency in pharmacy education. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as members share successful strategies on wellness and resiliency in both their personal and professional lives. My name is Amber Douglas. I'm a mental health pharmacist practitioner in the Clinical Resource Hub for Vision One in the VA. I'm also a member of ASHP's Section Advisory Group on Postgraduate Education and Learning Experiences, and I'm excited to introduce this podcast series. This will be a three-part conversation with experienced pharmacy educators, well-being leaders, and recent participants in ASHP's Well-Being Ambassador Program. This session is part two of the series and will focus on well-being and resiliency from an academia perspective. I will now turn it over to our moderator for the session. Hi, all. My name is Alicia Sacco, a critical care pharmacist and assistant residency program director at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me is Dr. Shireen L. Ibieri, professor and chair of pharmacy practice in the Department of Pharmacy Practice at Midwestern University College of Pharmacy Glendale campus. She is an experienced educator and participant in the ASHP Wellbeing Ambassador Program. Let's get started talking about today's topic, well-being and resiliency in pharmacy practice. Thanks for joining us today, Shireen. Thank you for having me. Of course, delighted that you could speak with us today. So my first question is, what prompted you to get involved with well-being and resilience initiatives as both a leader and an educator? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, Life is is busy in and outside of work. You know, as a pharmacy educator, I feel, you know, we're even in a a more unique position because our positions are so multifaceted. We have didactic teaching, your clinical site, your research, committee work. And these are all the things that we really enjoy about academia, but sometimes because we love what we do, an imbalance occurs with our personal and our professional lives. You know, and this can go either way. You know, the imbalance could be for work or it could be outside of work. And to some extent, you know, going back and forth is normal. But when it's overwhelming all around, I think that's when, you know, well-being really starts to get affected. You know, experiencing this and seeing myself and others that I work with is really what led to my interest in well-being and resiliency initiatives. You know, early in my career, Um, I felt like I was being pulled in a few different directions by the nature of my role. And that's when I first learned about burnout and what it was. And, you know, after learning about it, I always kind of had it on the radar. And a colleague of mine and I used to always joke around and say, well, what what cycle, you know, or what stage are you at? You know, and we we used to just kind of joke around about it. But I think, you know, in 2012, I had my first child and I was applying for promotion to full professor. And it seemed like there was just so much going on. You know, I had my clinical site, I had rotation students, teaching projects, committees, you know, applying for promotion, and then now being a new mom on top of that um, and really trying to keep up with the roles outside of of work. I just felt really overwhelmed. And, um, you know, I talked with colleagues and it seemed like there was this similar theme of everyone feeling exhausted. And it occurred to me, 
you know, maybe I'm burned out, you know, maybe I'm really burned out, not just joking, you know, with my colleague, but um, so I went online to find a burnout assessment for myself. And then it just hit me. It was like, how many others are feeling this way? And that really was the impetus for starting a research project and surveying pharmacy practice faculty as to how they were feeling. And I think that was really the start of my endeavors uh, in the area of well-being and resiliency. You know, how can you achieve physical, spiritual, social, financial, career, community well-being and keep yourself resilient against burnout, depression, and other mental health conditions? You know, and now in my role as department chair, um, my interest in well-being and resilience continues as we try to figure out ways and processes to help prevent burnout within the healthcare profession, um, you know, for, for colleagues, for students, and, you know, in academia overall. Yeah, I agree. You know, we are not alone in this, and I thank you for sharing that personal story with us. Now, since this interest sparked within you, how have you expanded your understanding of well-being and resiliency as a practitioner and educator, and what educational programs or resources have been the most helpful in your journey? Yeah, um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely been a journey. Um, I think the first thing that I did was just take a burnout assessment. You know, there's a few out there. The one that's most used is the Maslow Burnout Inventory. Um, though there is a cost to it, but you can purchase an individual evaluation. Um, there's also the uh, Oldenburg Burnout Inventory, and that one's at no cost. You, know, you can find it online or the WHO 5, um, which is a quick assessment on well-being from the World Health Organization. You know, that was really the start was kind of understanding where I was and how I was doing. And once I learned where I was with my own well-being and and what areas of imbalance there were, well, then it became a question of, okay, how do I address this? You know, as I conducted the survey on pharmacy practice faculty, I did a lot of background research and learned about other professions, you know, different interventions, well-being and resiliency resources. Uh, One of the best being the National Academy of Medicine. Um, They have an action collaborative on clinician well-being and resilience, which has quite a lot of resources. For myself, you know, I read several books on well-being, you know, time management, habits, how to develop good habits, uh, women at work. But I think one book really stands out to me um, that really was a turning point for me. And that was The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. I think a lot of us, you know, learners included, put a great deal of pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And if things don't work out that way, it causes a lot of stress or just the stress of trying to do everything so perfectly is a lot. And the book discussed giving yourself some grace that everything can't be done perfectly. And that's okay. You know, if it's done decently or average, that's good enough. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. And that was a really helpful insight for me. It kind of changed my perspective on things and took a lot of pressure off myself. And I think different things will work for different people. Um, it's really important for people to learn about the various well-being and resiliency strategies and see what works for them. You, know, you may need to try multiple strategies to see what works, you know, what works best in, in, to incorporate in your own life. 
you know, for me, I think going to different sessions on well-being and resiliency was really helpful. You know, ASHP has the well-being ambassador program. And, you know, I attended various pharmacy meetings, you know, reading books, learning about different resources that were available was, was really helpful. And I think from going to all of those and, and, and kind of learning about all these different strategies, um, you know, I found things like changing my mindset, changing expectations, you know, what I expect of myself, what I expect of others, um, incorporating mindfulness, writing a personal mission statement. You know, I think that was really valuable, you know, just writing down what is it that I want to do? Who do I want to be? And, you know, a lot of times we tell ourselves or people tell, you know, others, just say no. You got too much on your plate, just say no. But it's hard to know what to say no to. And I think having a personal mission statement, you can kind of go back to that and kind of look and see, does this fit into what I want to accomplish? Yes, it does. Okay, I'm going to say yes to this. Or no, I don't think this is really matching. And so it makes it easier to, to say no to things. You know, utilizing time management strategies and doing my best to set boundaries at work for balancing my time have, have really been beneficial. Wow, that was a lot of great advice. So thank you for that. And I'm definitely going to check out that book after this, but I agree. It's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach. So how do you personally incorporate well-being and resiliency principles for yourself and for your learners? Well, I think it, it's really a work in progress. You know, I'm still working on this myself. I, I don't have all the answers. You know, I think it's something that we all struggle with, uh, some more than others. You know, ideally, you want to have some well-being and resiliency principles that you regularly engage in, like self-care, you know, nutrition, sleep hygiene, social support, etc. Um, this is not always easy to achieve, but I feel the more that you incorporate them regularly, the easier it is to have them be a way of life. I've come across a few things that have helped me. Now, maybe I'll just briefly list them and then kind of go a little bit more in depth on them, but... Number one, you know, first realizing that I'm overwhelmed or heading into burnout. Two, scheduling time for myself. Three, planning and selecting, you know, what and how I'm going to incorporate well-being and resiliency strategies. And then implementing those strategies that are needed, like a hobby, time for self-reflection and gratitude, time management strategies, and committing to boundaries. You know, starting with the hobby, we know that several studies have shown that a hobby or regular exercise helps with well-being. You know, I recently started swimming a few mornings a week before work, but that really was not easy for me to get to. I mean, it took a lot for me to get to, to that point to be able to incorporate that. And the struggle sometimes is when you're overwhelmed, it's hard to get out and do those things. You know, you might ask, well, when do I have time for a hobby? I have all these other things happening. You know, what, what I found is really checking in with yourself is key and realizing, okay, I have a lot going on. I'm not feeling my best. What can I do? And it takes time to plan. And that's what helped me figure out time in my schedule to incorporate a hobby. You know, it was actually the planning and looking to see where can I fit this into my schedule? You know, on top of that, I think the trick is keeping it consistent. You know, I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed, we implement something and then start to feel better and then we abandon it. I think consistency is important because you don't want to get to a point where you are overwhelmed. You want to be proactive and, you know, prevent, um, you know, the burnout or depression or, you know, other mental health issues. Um, and that said, 
you know, stress is still going to happen no matter what we do. So, so now when I start to feel overwhelmed, the first thing I do is schedule some time to figure out a plan, you know, and perhaps I might not have time this week to figure out a plan. You know, I might have to look a week or two on my calendar and find a block of time where I can plan something um, to have that time to actually think and figure out, you know, what well-being and resiliency strategies am I going to incorporate? Where can I fit this into my schedule? You know, I think scheduling time for yourself, you know, I try to do that once a month or every other month, you know, take a day off. My kids will be at school. You know, my husband's at work. I just have that time to myself or I work with my family to have a weekend day off. You know, sometimes we can't take time off work depending on our, our schedules. But um, I also try to incorporate within my work schedule, you know, pre-schedule a weekly two-hour block for self-development where I can read books or set goals, listen to podcasts. Um, you know, and I think I think another key thing is setting boundaries. You know, that's something that I really have tried to incorporate over the last couple of years. You know, I do my best to have at least 36 hours to 48 hours of a break from work, which means no work on the weekends, no email. Um, I've let people know that I don't prefer texting at work. I think texting can really be invasive into your personal life. And so everyone knows that they should email me unless it's an emergency situation. Um, I also do my best, you know, after 5.30, work is done. Uh, it really takes effort and it takes getting comfortable with the fact that everything might not be perfect when you leave work and kind of letting go of that feeling of like, well, I got to figure this out. I, I need to answer this person. I need to, you know, uh, see what's going on. It, it does take effort to, to let that go. And, um, you know, for learners, I encourage them to do the same. You know, when I had rotation students, I made sure that there were some scheduled days for project time. Um, that was a time for them to work on projects, but also to have a break if needed. And I also think it was a break for me as a preceptor to have some downtime and focus on the things that I needed to do. Meeting with students and discussing self-care at the start of a rotation or a course is ideal, you know, or even having certain activities like going for a walk or 10 minutes of mindfulness um, listed as part of their schedule is really helpful. You know, in addition to encouraging self-care, you know, reflecting on the day or the week is also something I would suggest, you know, thinking about what were three things that really went well that day or this day. You know, this can be done individually or together, the preceptor and the student. And I think this allows for some reflection on the day, you know, enhancing gratitude and um, learners can realize, you know, that they have a daily impact and that can lead to greater well-being and satisfaction and something that they can take on into their careers. You know, we schedule students, we give them calendars. You're going to be rounding at this time. You're going to do a patient presentation at this time. Your journal club is due at this time. But, you know, maybe, you know, we need to incorporate activities and say, okay, what was your activity for today for self-care or well-being, you know, um, or schedule that in, go for a walk 10 minutes after lunch, you know, so I think really making that a priority um, would be helpful for preceptors and for students and, and residents. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think scheduling is a huge part of it and just trying to keep each other accountable and keep yourself accountable for, you know, reaching your personal goals. And it sounds like you've set a good example for your learners. 
you know, now you've touched on setting boundaries and being able to accept imperfection and scheduling things out. And I think all these things are huge and can definitely relate to needing to do them. What else would you say is a big well-being and resilience misconception or challenge that you have experienced so far? I think the biggest challenge for well-being and resilience that I've experienced, it's been knowing what needs to be done and then actually being able to do it. I think once you know what to do, I think the next step is implementing, you know, some well-being and resiliency practices, whether it's within your organization or for yourself. And I've realized it takes planning and sometimes in the midst of everything, the hardest thing to do is to make well-being a priority and actually taking that time to think about how to incorporate strategies and making it a point to schedule time to balance things is really a challenge. I think once that challenge is overcome, it makes things easier to implement change for, for better well-being and resiliency. But I really think, you know, a lot of times we know what we need to do. It's just that next step of, of executing and implementing to do is the biggest challenge in my mind. Great. So Shireen, I think you've given us excellent insight thus far. My last question to wrap this up is what parting advice do you have for others? You know, yes. um, Make yourself the priority. You know, it's a work in progress for us all. You know, there's no perfect recipe. You know, do your best to incorporate planning for well-being and resiliency strategies in your calendar and then execute them within your daily or weekly schedule. You know, you're the most important person. If you aren't taking care of yourself, you won't be able to get things done or take care of others in the way that you'd like. Um, so make it part of your routine for you and your learners, whether that's part of your syllabus, you know, a calendar for yourself and your learners. Make it intentional, just like any other part of your learner schedule and your own. Give yourself some grace as you figure out a plan and ask, ask for help if you need it, you know, whether that's from your organization, your supervisor, peers family and friends, if you need a healthcare provider or need to find a coach or a therapist, um, things aren't always going to be perfect. And that's the same with beginning to incorporate, you know, well-being and resiliency strategies. It takes time to figure out what works for you, but making, you know, well-being and resiliency a priority is really the start, just making yourself the priority. Certainly. I am actually a strong believer that we cannot perform our best when we aren't feeling our best. And making well-being a priority was not a part of my experience in school or residency training years ago. But as I go throughout my career, I do realize its importance more and more each day. And I think that's all the time we have for today. So I want to thank you, Shireen, for joining us and discussing well-being in pharmacy education. If you haven't had the chance, I encourage all of you to visit wellbeing.ashp.org, where you can learn more about our partnership with the National Academy of Medicine, resources to promote wellness, and strategies to manage burnout. Please be sure to join us here each month for more on wellness and resiliency. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.